0: Hi there and welcome to the Little Yarrow podcast. My name is Kate. I'm a naturopath and postpartum doula here to share with you ancient wisdom for modern mothers. Hi there and welcome to this episode of the Little Yarrow podcast. Today I really want to dive deep into birth preparation and why it matters. So currently if, if you follow along on social media, you'll, you'll know that I'm expecting my third baby in the next couple of weeks, next few weeks. And I'm really heavily in the birth prep mode. And I've been sharing a lot of this behind the scenes as well um, on Instagram. So if, if you want to check it out, make sure you jump over. Um, my handle is at littleyarrow.com. So why does it matter and why is it important? And I think I think that it's a really important conversation because even though we have had a really great positive shift towards the mental preparation side of birth, you know, we're seeing a lot more women really, you know, reading books and learning about physiological birth and they're learning about different techniques like breathing and visualization through courses like, um, calm birth and hypnobirthing, which are amazing. And I've done both of those courses across, um, you know, my three pregnancies and I highly, highly recommend them. However, I do feel like we're still lacking in terms of the physical preparation because often there is this um, culture of, you, of this culture of understanding is that you kind of can't really have any control over the outcome of your birth and it's just kind of left up to chance or left up to luck. Um, and so, So there's that lack of understanding that actually we do, we actually do have a lot of control in terms of how our experience unfolds. We just don't, we aren't taught the tools, we haven't been taught the practices and then the knowledge that has been passed down throughout many generations. And so that's why today I really want to share with you some of the things that I'm doing and um, maybe get you thinking as well some things that you can Keep in mind whether it's for yourself or if you're a, um, if you work with pregnant mums, how you can support your clients because it's true it's a fact that you know the statistics and the rates of birth trauma and the rates of intervention are just they're continuing to climb and climb and climb and I think if we can have a better understanding of um, what we can do to physically prepare as well as what we can do mentally, then we're going to be less likely to have to experience these different interventions. So ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, you can prepare so much and then, you know, sometimes things still don't turn out the way that you would have liked them to turn out. Things can go a bit pear-shaped. But I think knowing that you did everything that you could can kind of help give you that peace of mind because I know sometimes women if things don't go how they plan, sometimes they can blame themselves or feel like, oh, maybe I should have done this, I should have done that. And so you want to, at the end of the day, know whatever the outcome is, is that you did everything you could to um, ensure that you were prepared. And, you know, sometimes things, think sometimes things happen. But so basically, there are kind of like four main things really that I focus on when it comes to preparing. So first of all, is actually preparing the uterus because the uterus is a muscle. And so just like we prepare um, for particular events, so like if you, if you were to pre- prepare for like a race or some kind of athletic um, exercise or something like that, even if you're just doing yoga or doing some exercise, usually you do a warm-up and you prepare your muscles, prepare your body. Um, and it's just the same for birth. So we actually want to prepare the uterine muscle because it's going to be undergoing a huge huge task and so we want it ready we want it strong we want it toned so that it actually does its job properly we want efficient contractions that actually are going to help with pushing the baby down Um, because often we'll see women if they have poor uterine tone then they might have um, like stop start kind of labor they'll have contractions that aren't really efficient like they're kind of not really they're not really productive um you can get stalled labor uh and then if you're if it's not if the uterus is not really contracting properly and efficiently it can really drag the labor out and then the uterus can become quite fatigued so that when it comes to time to birth your baby it can be you know it can draw out that second phase and then when it also comes to the third phase when we we want the to birth the placenta you know it can affect that and then we want the uterus to contract back down to prevent excess bleeding so it can affect that as well so as you can see if you don't have a strong toned uterus it kind of affects all stages of labor and so <clears throat> um you know herbs have been used for thousands and thousands of years, particularly by midwives and herbalists to help with preparing the uterus. And so some of the ones you may have heard of before. So raspberry leaf is a very common one. I do have a whole episode dedicated to raspberry leaf because there are a lot of misconceptions around this herb on, you know, how safe it is and when to use it and how much and all that kind of stuff. So check out the episode where I dive a bit more deeper into that um, but raspberry leaf is a great uterine tonic and scorvine is another lesser known herb which is really great for strengthening and toning the uterus and so when you take these herbs they, they can really help um, prepare for birth so they're called partus prepetus and that means that they're preparing the uterus to give birth and you can even take them during the labour as well so just helping to ensure you know, if you had like a thermos of tea or something like that, that you just sip on in the labor, it can really help just to ensure those contractions are actually regular and they're efficient. They're not stalling and that it's doing the job properly. And then, you know, other things we can do to prepare for birth as well is helping with creating pelvic space and reducing pelvic congestion as well. Because if we, if we have, um, you know, if there's a lot of pelvic congestion and there's a lot of tension and things like that, that's when it can affect more so the second stage of labour. So it can affect more the baby actually being born where they might get a bit stuck or it can be really um hard, just like a long duration of the second stage. So things you can do to help with creating pelvic space um are things like seeing an osteo or a chiro that specializes in pregnancy to ensure that there's no um, tension and tightness in the pelvic cavity that might cause your baby to get into a difficult position or it might cause them to just find it hard to actually navigate and exit the pelvic cavity. Um, Yoga as well. So yoga is really great, particularly like yogic squats. When doing the yogic squats does open your pelvis up to 30%, which is quite a lot. So if you think... um, if you're practicing certain a lot of like the hip kind of open you want to be doing a lot of the hip opening postures and you can find a lot of these classes online as well um if you don't want to go to a to an in-person pregnancy class but um there's a lot of resources online and yeah doing a lot of those hip opening postures and um, squats and things like that can really help with creating the pelvic space using a yoga ball so even just doing lots of hip opening kind of swivels on the yoga ball, um, lunges, things like that. Um, and then in terms of pelvic congestion as well, um, one of the things I talk about in my online workshop, so I have a workshop called the um, Wise Traditions Birth Preparation, and I go through all of this in depth, exactly what you can do and how to do it. Um, to prepare and I talk a lot about the research behind a lot of different things as well and I have actual like a timeline list so you can know okay 36 weeks start doing this or 37 weeks start introducing this so one of the things I talk about is excluding gluten in that final um, month and the reason for this is because gluten is quite inflammatory it can be quite congestive um, as well so there is a really great book that I love called The Gentle Birth Method by Dr. Gary Motha and she talks about how she noticed when... So she's an Ayurvedic practitioner but she's an obstetrician as well and when she when she moved from India to the UK she noticed, um, you know, the skyrocketing intervention rates and a lot of mums had this problem where they, their babies were getting stuck and they were needing forcep deliveries, vacuum deliveries episiotomies and she was thinking why why is this going on and when she looked a bit deeper she realized you know the western diet is very heavy heavily focused on gluten and wheat and um, you know it's particularly in pregnancy when women are having nausea and vomiting and it's kind of like a food that's you know crackers and toast and things like that we tend to rely on and even just in those later stages of pregnancy when you're getting those real hunger pangs and your your appetite's increasing as your baby's really stacking up that that final weight and it's just easy to go for the breads and the pastas and there's a comfort element of these foods as well whereas in India it's not really a part of their diet I mean they have things like chapatis and rotis, but they don't really it's not so focused on you know they, they don't really have a lot of um, wheat and gluten and so she noticed when she got her clients to cut out gluten in that last month she noticed all of a sudden that women were having it was a lot easier for them to give birth and the, and the reason for this is because of that congestion so we want to eliminate that congestion in the pelvic cavity and exercise can do that as well you know we have a lot of lymphatic glands in the pelvic area so exercising whether it's walking or swimming or yoga or anything, just to get that, get that lymphatic moving and reduce that congestion. Um, optimal fetal positioning as well. So making sure that your baby is in the right position to give birth, which is ideally heads down. And we don't want baby's spine on mum's spine because that's posterior. And it's, it can cause quite a more painful, difficult, prolonged labour. And I had this second time around with my second son and i really noticed the difference and at the time i didn't really know what was going on i just knew that it felt so different to the first time i had all this back pain and this tailbone pain the contractions were very like stop start um they were i was almost having kind of like double contractions or like they were just kind of erratic and it was mentally stressful because I think especially because it was my second time and I just knew it didn't feel right. But, you know, eventually he actually did. He did turn just different, um, a lot of standing kind of um, postures in labor, you know, often being in the shower or leaning over things and get different active kind of labor positions can help to turn the baby in labor. But ideally, we don't even want to have to get to that point. We want to try and prevent it. So, I've been very much focused on that this time. I'm really trying to avoid um posterior labor again, so avoiding slouching in chairs so um usually the heaviest part of the baby, which is the head, will go to the direction you're most leaning in and so if you're always in that slouchy position then the the you know the baby is going to favor more their back of their head to, to the spine, which we don't, we don't want that. Um, even long card trips where you're slouching. Um, so we want to try and be more forward. So doing a lot of forward inversions. Um, I've been doing the spinning babies technique, so a lot of forward inversions on the couch. Um, yeah, trying to avoid sitting on the couch um, in the kind of sitting back position and also doing a lot of different yoga online classes as well around optimal fetal fetal positioning. So a lot of um, cat-cow poses, a lot of um, lunges, using the yoga ball a lot, rebozo as well. So rebozo is a Mexican traditional very long cloth and that can be used as well um, by some... You need someone else to do it and basically it helps with positioning the baby and um, getting them into the right position. So that's another really important thing as well. Um, uh, Reducing risk of postpartum hemorrhage as well. So once again, often we kind of see it as, oh, it's just sometimes it happens and you can't really do anything about it, but you can. There's lots of things you can do. And so nettle is a really great herb that's rich in vitamin K, which can help with blood clotting. So adding that into into your herbal mix as well that you can take up in the leading, um, months and weeks to birth. Um, and then also, you know, there's a lot of different, um, you know, things like nutrient deficiencies. So iron, like iron deficiency can make you more prone to bleeding. Um, even like deficiencies in magnesium, calcium have been linked to more prolonged labor, less efficient contractions, stalled contractions, um, So there's just so many, there's so many aspects of it that we actually can make a difference in. And even just, um, you know, because the more you go over your dates, the more at risk you are of intervention and being induced. And then there's the whole cascade of intervention that can often come with that. So, you know, there are things you can do to help avoid going too far over if that's what you want. I am a big believer that babies come when they are ready, but if you know that you're going to start getting pressured for induction or if you know that you do tend to go quite over, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to help um, naturally induce labor. And I talk a lot about this in the workshop as well, like things like evening primrose oil and certain herbs like motherwort. I talk a lot about that as well. So basically at the moment, I'm addressing all of these aspects through, um, yeah, through herbs and nutrients different dietary things, um, different physical practices like acupuncture and osteo and um, different, um, you know, exercises and yoga positions. Um, You know, there's different Ayurvedic practices as well that can be really great, um, like different stretches and different oils that can be used to help with um, reducing pelvic congestion and helping to create pelvic space. And I think it's really just important to know that, yeah, that we we do have more control than than we're led to believe when it comes to preparing our bodies. So if, if you're interested in learning more and getting basically my blueprint of what I do and what I recommend, um, check out the Wise Birth Traditions Workshop on my website. You can grab it all year round. And it's really awesome. Like I wish that, um, yeah, I wish that I had have had it First time around, I did a lot of research first time around, and I've had really great birth experiences so far the first and second time. And I'm just doing everything I can third time, and who knows how it'll turn out. But I know at the end of the day, as I mentioned, that just knowing that you're doing everything you can gives you that peace of mind that however it ends up turning out, you know that you tried your best to prepare. And I think that's all that we can do, really, isn't it? Is just have that trust have that knowledge, do what we can. And I think that knowledge is power and that having these tools and these techniques that have been used for thousands of years by other women gives us that comfort to know that, you know, our bodies do know how to birth and that we have so many amazing tools that we can do to support it. So I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I would love if you could um, leave a review below and share with your friends. It's how I It's how I reach more women, how I can help more women in their pregnancies, births and postpartum. And I will see you in the next episode.